Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I am the host of the show where I have conversations with Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends on their story and path of the games. Today I have the amazing and incredible Leslie Maxey, 1988 Olympic athlete. Leslie is actually a very good friend of mine as well as an incredible athlete, an incredible person, and is a fantastic all around just human being. She's so much fun to talk to. We have such a blast. This is part one of two where we discuss her entire athletic career from when she was six years old and seven years old when she ran her first half marathon to when she eventually decided to retire from athletics and track and field. So this is an awesome, awesome interview. I had so much fun. Not even an interview. It's just a general conversation about someone's life. Had a lot of fun. Um, she has so many good stories. We had so much fun, so much laughter. It was an absolute blast. So I hope you guys and girls enjoy it too. So without further ado, here is Leslie. All right. Today's special special guest good friend of mine too leslie maxi usa track and field olympian from 1988 born january 4th 1967 in san francisco california had a very long world record uh which was recently beaten by Sydney mclaughlin uh, in the world youth 400 meter hurdles set that record in 84 and she beat it only a few years ago like four or five years ago so yeah. very long standing record she was a national champion at usc on the four by four relay Mm-hmm. Um, four by 400, I apologize. Two-time All-American, as I said, attended the 88 games in Seoul, South Korea. Worked at ESPN and was employee number one on Cold Pizza, which is now known as First Take. Uh, worked in NASCAR for about four years. Has been in TV for a very long time. CEO and co-partner of Maxi Media Group. Leslie, thanks for hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Mike. My pleasure. Anything for you. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I was going to say it's my pleasure because I'm not going to the Olympics anytime soon, at least as, a, uh, as an athlete. And uh, I'm also, I don't think I'm as good of a person as you are. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have that hill. Um, oh, we'll have to go to blows on that all one. All right, all right. Deal, <laughs> deal, deal. Um, so Leslie, the first question I want to ask you is where does your love of sports come from? Ooh, my love of sports probably comes from my brothers and my cousins. When I was about six years old, um, my oldest cousin, who was part of the first class of Title IX recipients of a full scholarship to Cal Berkeley back in like 76, I think, um, she, she started running track. And then her five brothers and sisters started running with her. And my brothers started running. And because whatever they did, I did. Um, I started running. Um, and it was also because, you know, I couldn't be left home alone. Um, but I started running. And, and it was more, it just felt like fun. It didn't ever feel hard or painful. I look back on it now, I'm like, what were you thinking? But uh, at the time, it was, it was air. It was everything that was part of my world. You were so young. It was so much easier to run back then, right? Like oh I try and go God. on a two mile jog now. And I mean, I'm not that old and I was never an Olympic athlete. So let's also put that caveat there. But uh, <laughs> man, and it's just so hard, especially if it's a little chilly out and like, I don't really want to, it's like this whole thing. But I always love talking to track and field athletes, especially, you know, on the running side, track side, because every other sport punishment was to go run, right? Like every other sport is like, all right, you're being an ass, like go take sprints or go do laps. And nope, that was just, that was your life. Uh, you know, so it's always funny. Uh, I always enjoy talking to uh, incredible tracker athletes like yourself just because of that one fact. 
um, amongst many others, of course. But of course, you have to hang out with your brothers and sisters, your cousins. Like literally, as you were saying that, that's the story of my life as well. My cousin and I are the two oldest. We started playing baseball. So all our brothers started playing with us and we all had five of us. Anytime we were together, we'd go play baseball together. So it's just too funny. Um, so that's how you kind of got your start in track and field. Uh, about how old were you at this time? I was six. Six. Okay. I think you did say that. Thank you. So mm-hmm. at six years old running track, what, what is six-year-old track like? I've only seen track at like high school. So what is it like <laughs> as a six-year-old? Well, you know, I'll, I'll actually fast forward to when I was seven years old. Oh, whoa, when I was whoa, seven slow years down, old, Leslie, hey, slow down. I know, hey. like, keep up with me. We're going places. <laughs> um, when I was seven years old, I ran my first, I, I think of the Beta Breakers is a half marathon. And um, it is from the San Francisco Bay to the Pacific Ocean. And you start off, and it's you know, obviously very, very, very large crowd. It's San Francisco, so it's a little risque. I probably saw some things that a little six-year-old, seven-year-old is not supposed to see, but whatever. But I remember coming over the hill, and, and anybody that's ever been to San Francisco knows, it's California, but always bring not a jacket, bring your coat. Because that the, the ocean is San Francisco's air conditioning. The, the fog comes over the hill, it cools everything down, and it can be very, very chilly in the evening. And so, you know, as a kid, I'm, I'm running this race. Obviously, I'm in the back. And uh, towards the very end, we come over this one hill, and then you're coming down and you're heading towards the ocean. You go right you know, a few hundred yards, and then that's the finish line. And my mom is driving alongside me, and my coach is running with me. And when I came over the hill, I got hit by that cold air, and it just must have shocked my system, and I just fell over and wrenched. I'm bleh, bleh, just throwing up. Exactly. That's the face. Uh. <laughs> I'm throwing up. And my mom's like, get in the car, get in the car. And I'm like, I have to finish. <laughs> and my coach was like, let her finish. You know, and, and but what it did was it taught me that my my mind and what I what I put my mind to, I could make my body do. And that has served me time and time and time again and, and continues to serve me to this day, really. But um, but it was it was an important lesson and it, and it became a defining moment in my young life at seven years old. But yeah, I was that kid. That's well, first off, if cell phones were around back then to see a video of that, like I'm not saying I'd laugh at seven year old Lex uh, Leslie, but I probably we would have oh, uh, you'd prob- laugh at her. She probably was skinny, laughed at her. she had big feet. <laughs> that yeah, is I was too that cute, kid though. that was tallest in the in the uh, classroom photo. <laughs> that's too funny. But that is an awesome story and really does. I mean, knowing you and, and know like for as long I think we've known each other for, I don't know, seven, eight months at this point, whatever it is, and knowing how you put your head down and just do things is incredible in, in my eyes. And that's a great great story of you know the beginning of that and the funny thing about the mind is it works both ways right if you tell yourself you can do something um you have a better chance of doing it but you know there's also the negative people out there that if you say you can't you're not going to be able to so it's it's very interesting and that's another thing that i found out about runners very quickly was it's as much as it sucks to run and like it hurts it is, you know, you can kind of just keep going, like, unless it's obviously like heat exhaustion or something terrible, 
you can pretty much get over it. You just slow down a little bit. So it is, um, it is incredible. And I give you all the credit in the world because a uh, 28 year old Mike uh, would have absolutely stopped. <laughs> First off, he wouldn't have even started the half marathon. Second, if I get to a point and just start vomiting everywhere, like, yep, I'm out, throw up my deuces and I'm gone. But yeah, thankfully, three year old Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> too funny. Too fu- what, who, who made you, or did you, you were like, Hey, you know, mom, I'd really love to run this half marathon. And she was just like, that's a great idea. Well, because my older cousins were doing it, okay. and I you know, wanted to do everything that, that they did, they said they were going to do it. I was going to figure it out. <laughs> and you finished? Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember your time by any chance? Oh, uh, no clue. No. Yeah, no clue. I wouldn't even worry about it. You finished. That's, <laughs> that's, that's half the battle, though, I think, right? That's, so that yeah. is incredible. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. At what point – so obviously in high school, you had some pretty great success. But at Mm -hmm. what point leading up to that, if you really started at six, seven years old, at what point leading up to that, did you, I don't want to say get serious, because of course, as knowing you, you were serious the whole time. But at what point did it kind of click and be like, oh, wow, this is something that I could, this is something that I can do moving forward as a career path or, you know, an opportunity? Well, I I wouldn't necessarily say a career path because, you know, women just didn't have that opportunity. What my parents told me was get your education travel and network. Everything else is gravy. And when I was 10 years old, and I can tell you the day, I don't know the day of the year or the week it happened, but I remember the day um, that I decided I was going to the Olympics. My my cousin, Marion, one of the older cousins, um, she ran with, you have junior teams and senior teams, junior national teams and senior national teams in track and field. And so she made her first junior team. They went to Russia, Sweden, England, and she came back and she came back the day of our AAU nationals. And so uh, she came to the meet and she had her sweats on. I mean, and she was just it was almost like one of those those pictures where the you know when Beyonce walks out and the the wind hits her and yep. her hair. I mean, like it was the whole thing. So she walks on track, and I'm like, oh my God, Mary came to my meet, and she has on her USA sweats. So we're running a four by four. A four by four hundred is usually the last race of the day, and and by that time, I don't care if you are ten years old or twenty years old. You are tired, you're sweaty, but this is one of those races that, you know, track and field in, in many ways is an individual sport. And it's one of the times, you know, it's bookended four by one, four by 100 in the beginning of a meet, four by four in the ending of a meet. And it's one of those times when you get to run for your team. And so um, it was me and three other girls. It was a nine and under Uh, division, but because I turned 10 on January 4th, I was still running nine and under. You run it for that year. So I was 10 years old on a nine and under team. And um, we, you know, we ran, I ran a phenomenal time and we beat the national record for girls nine and under. And I remember one of the girls' father was just walking up and down the track going, a national record, a national record. We came across the line. I came across the line, you know, they did the little lean, and I fell out on the track. I mean, it was very dramatic, Mike. And I'm laying there. And Marion walks over, and she takes off her sweat jacket, and she throws it at me and just kind of lands on me. And she says, one day, you'll earn your own. 
Oh. It was all I needed. <laughs> oh, I got chills. That is awesome. It was all I needed. And it, it was one of those defining moments. And I remember laying there and I said, and I, I didn't know about junior and senior teams. All I know was it said USA and it was mm-hmm. red, white, and blue. And I said, I'm going to the Olympic Games. I love it. Period. Now, I probably should have said, I'm going to the Olympic Games and I'm winning a gold medal. But <laughs> hey, you know, if we could go back That's and change 10-year-old. Exactly. 10-year-old <laughs> Leslie. I'm not going to hold it against her. That, that is an awesome story. Like that is literal chills up my back. That is so cool. You know, shout out to your cousin. Um, that is just awesome. <laughs> She's and how still many, one of my best friends. <laughs> how many years older is she than you? Let me see. If I was 10 at the time, I think she was like maybe 15 or 16. Okay. So, so that's, yeah, yeah so that's years. like, it's like mm-hmm. far enough away and close enough still that it's like, there's some sort of relationship. You really look up to her still. Mm-hmm. She kind of probably looked at you, little cousin, little sister kind of thing. So yeah. that is awesome. And yeah, I mean, clearly it, uh, it did some, did some work on you because you, then it, it really started to, uh, I mean, it, it already was in motion, but it, it sounds like right at that point is when the, the, the master plan was really, again, wish she said gold medal, but that's fine. That's fine. Going <laughs> to the Olympics is good enough in my book. It's something I'll mm-hmm. never do. So I'll live vicariously <laughs> through you and 10-year-old Leslie today. Um, so that is an incredible story. So that was your first record. I have to assume that you set. Um, um, oh, were there more records before that? I, I think I think I had a national record before that. I think I had like a, a 200 record, if I'm not mistaken. But my, my coach was one of those people, Mr. Parker. He is the woman I am today is because Mr. Parker was my coach. He was one of those people that he didn't care about what you could do. He cared about who you were, who you are as a person. And, um, and he never let little kids specialize. He was like, I don't care if you're tall and lanky. I'm not going to make you high jump. You know, you may have the most fast twitch mu- muscle fibers to be able to run the 100 where you don't necessarily look like it. So as a result, I can run. I mean, when I was running, I one, two, four, eight a little bit. A high jump. I was a six foot high jumper before my knee went. Um, I can shot put, I can throw the javelin. If girls had been able to pole vault at a time, that probably would have been my first love because I came from gymnastics to track and field. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew out of it. I got to tall. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so I I, I believe I had a 200 record, um, at at the very least a California record, but it, it may have been a national record. That is incredible. So, so I guess from kind of the onset, we all had a pretty good idea that something like this was possible. Because um, especially in California, if you're setting national records, you're probably going up against some pretty stiff, stiff competition. Um, that is fantastic. So then in 84, only a few years later, mm-hmm. um, you're what, not even 20 at that point? No, 84, I was 17. So yeah. it's 17. So one year after, you know, your, your cousin would have, um, you know, so, so <laughs> one again, year after my own first personal uh, junior team, Oh, <laughs> I did yeah. make junior teams. Yeah. As, as expected at this point. <laughs> what, what was that like at being, I mean, that was, that's gotta be a pretty cool moment for your family too, right? Your cousin yeah. makes it. Did any of your other siblings or cousins make it? Yeah. Um, the, you know, the cousin that was the first one uh-huh. to, to be part of the class of um, Title IX, the first class of Title mm-hmm. IX, her name is um, Brooke Gaston or Brooke Franklin at the time. Um, but she made, she made junior teens. And um, I don't think any of my male cousins 
did, but they were all really good. And my brothers were good as well. Um, but I remember, I remember, well, in 84, 84 was the first year that women could run the 400 hurdles in the Olympics. And I was an accomplished 100 hurdler and an accomplished 400 meter runner. Um, very, very good, but not world class. And especially for me, I'm 5'11", my inseam is 36. And so running the 100 hurdles, those three steps in between, when you're running at the rate that you have to, you know, to be really competitive, for somebody whose legs are as long as mine, it's just like little bitty steps before you're hurdling. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, I was going to top out at some point. And so my coach, you know, brought my, my mom together, me and my family, and, you know, and said, look, I want to transition Leslie's um, on-field pursuits to the 400 hurdles. It's the first time it's going to be an Olympic event. No harm, no foul. You know, I think this could, this could work for her. And, um, and, and so that's what we did. So between, I, I want to say I started the 400 hurdles in like maybe February or March of 84. And the Olympic trials, so because the games were in Seoul, South Korea, they were a fall game because that's their summer. So they happened in October. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I had between March and July to learn the event and make the team. And two weeks before the Olympic trials at the national. So even though you have the Olympic trials, you still have the Federation nationals. Mm -hmm. So at the nationals, um, I broke the world record and then all the youth records I'm kind of the same day. Um, but it was in a second place. Wait a second. Team. Wait a second. Very, very, just sweep that <laughs> one out of the rug. I broke the world record and then, you know, a bunch of other records, by the way. And anyway. But it happens all at one time. But it's yeah. still incredible. <laughs> it's still incredible. <laughs> and you know what? I, I didn't know. I thought, I thought the junior world record was was what it was, but it was the junior world record, the world youth record, the national record, and the high school record. So there were four records that were broken all at one time. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Would you look at that? But anyway, I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah, no, just no, no, to make not sure at all. That we know all the records you broke. Um, please continue with the story. Please continue. Um, so th this happened on, I think I want to say it was in late June, early July, because the trials were in July, and this was in San Jose, um, a woman named Judy Brown King won the race, and she broke the world record at that time, and I broke the world junior record, because I got second. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember <laughs> being in that press conference afterwards, and you know how you, you see that picture every now and then of someone, I, I've seen uh, pictures of President Obama where there's all this press around him and somebody gets that point of view behind mm -hmm. him. You get to see all that. It was kind of one of those moments. And, you know, they're just like, we're hanging on my every word. But I'm a 16, 17-year-old. And this guy, somebody asked me, what are you going to do tonight to celebrate? And I said, well, I'm going to go home and wash dishes. They were, they were like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, what are you going to do to celebrate? I said, look, when we left this morning, I was supposed to do the dishes the night before. And, and I was like, well, I haven't made, I'm tired. So I went to bed and then I was supposed to do it in the morning. We got up a little late. So we had to hustle to get out of the house. And the last thing my mother said was, you are going to do these dishes when we get back. And I was like, okay. So my mother did not play. All the athletic stuff was wonderful, but it was really about who I was as a person. And, and God is my witness. 
I left that meat. We went home. I did the dishes. We went to dinner. I said, you know, we're going to go to dinner, but I'm going to do the dishes first Absolutely. because that's who my mother was. And that's too funny. It's, it's the best thing she ever could have done. You know, she required that I still be the person that I was before all of this moving forward. And, and that made such a huge difference in my life. Especially at a young age. I mean, it's very easy for grown adults with fully formed brains to get, you know, egotistical, right? Mm-hmm. Like a 16 year old with all egotistical. the hormones. To start drinking their own Kool-Aid, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Another great way of putting it. Another great way of putting it. But I mean, it's just so easy. Like if, if a 16 year old Mike, if someone was like, hey, like you just broke a world record. I mean, my head would have got like, it was big at 16 already. Like I could only imagine, like I couldn't have fit through doors. Like I couldn't walk downstairs. Like it would have been crazy. But yeah. um, no, that's awesome that your parents kind of kept you in that spot. Your mom kept you in that spot and made sure like, no, you said twice now you were going to do the dishes. I promise <laughs> you will do those dishes. Do those and dishes. you did them. And as you said, you're much better for it. And I think that that's great. <laughs> and it, uh, it works out. So that's got, that's just got to be so cool with that opportunity. So that was in 84 correct? Mm -hmm. So that was, so how close were you to making the Olympic team that year? Oh my. (laughs) I couldn't find any, I couldn't find any of this information on any of the websites. So I just got to ask. Storm clouds come in. Um, I, okay. So it's important to know that I started the event late February, early March. And by July I was world-class because at the Olympic trials, I, um, well, let me, let me back up just a little bit. Somebody stole my shoes the day of the finals. What? I, I, yeah. Carl Lewis's mom gave me Carol Lewis's shoes to wear in the finals. Oh man. Somebody stole my shoes <laughs> or maybe they could have been misplaced. Wink, wink. No. Yeah, sure. Shoes. Sure. Um, but in, in that race, so in the first 300 meters of this 400 meter race, so that's basically eight hurdles. Um, I was I was on world record pace and was running faster than I had ever run before, you know, partially adrenaline and and all of those things that that affect your body. Um, but the event was so new to me. It was so new to me. There's only so much that that you can learn in the course of a season, and and that's why they call it a learning curve. And you're going to get to a point where your um, ability to learn and your uh, need to execute me at a critical juncture. And, and that happened for me on hurdle number nine. So I'm coming into this hurdle and I am leading the field. I am kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> and one critical skill for a 400 hurdler is to be able to alternate. Um, Edwin Moses revolutionized 400 hurdling by, by engineering 13 steps per her, between hurdles and that allows you to hurdle on the same leg every time um most women hurdle 15 steps and at the end go to 16 steps i could go 15 steps the entire way for most of the most of the season i i was running so fast that i actually should have gone 14 steps into that oh, ninth hurdle wow. a woman had never done that in a race before and I, I got there and I did not know how to alternate because oh. as a hundred hurdler, you always only use one leg if, if you're doing it right. So I had to alternate. I couldn't do it. Chop, 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 chop. Some of the field catches me. Now you hit the ground you start running, 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 running for the 10th hurdle. 
picked up my speed again. My steps were off, chop, 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 chop to get to the right leg, the correct leg. The rest of the field caught me. And now from the 10th hurdle to the finish line, it is a race for the finish. And they were, it was such a waterfall finish that we had to wait for them to. So back in the day, back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. Keep That's going. Like, Keep going. They would print out the pictures and they would take rulers and you line up the rulers. And what you look for is the person's shoulder where the shoulder comes across the finish line. So when people lean with their chest, they're actually doing themselves a disservice. Anybody that knows how to lean knows that you lean with your shoulder because this is where they, where they count it because, mm-hmm. you know, chests are different size. Yeah. So, um, so they go for the shoulder. I knew that I didn't make the team. And, and I came across the line and I, I would always pray after my race, you know, so grateful and thankful that, you know, God woke me up another day and allowed me to compete for my country, you know? And so I I said a quick prayer and Judy came over and she kind of, she kind of held me for a second and consoled me. And then I got up and started crying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and at this point they hadn't even released results, but I knew. And so when the results were released, you know, obviously I found out I missed the team by two one hundredths of a second. Oh. I can't even clap that loud. I yeah. dare anybody who hears this to go and try in time. That's point zero zero two, and and let me know. Yeah, blink. That's how much it is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the book's gonna be Ooh. good, Mike Brazil. Yeah, that is gonna be a pretty darn good book, man. Hey, if you you, you I mean, you, I'll bring you on again, and we can just do like a press junket for it. How's that sound? Um, Sounds good. Man, that is incredible. Um, what a drag. But I mean, I guess silver lining. You were so young, like you know, it would have been nice, of course, but like understanding. You know what, though, Mike? I mean, I look back at it now, and and I have a fairly healthy ego. I I consider myself to be a humble person, but I'm clear about the things that that are my attributes, both naturally and things that I work for. And I I believe, as with God as my witness, if I had made that team, I would be a markedly different person than I am today. Of course, absolutely. And and not necessarily for the better. And so I, I, I can't... You know, I can say that now because I'm yeah. 53 and I've raised a couple children. <laughs> um, it was hard at the time, and and there and the reason why I mentioned Judy bending over and, and consoling me was that when I got to LA to USC, so I wasn't in college yet. There was a billboard on Hollywood Boulevard, and I was an Adidas athlete. She was a Nike athlete, and so it had I was. I was bending over, still on my knees. She was consoling me. You could see the swoosh. You could see my stripes. And the, the billboard said, Nike cares. Wow. <laughs> and, and I got suspended by the NCAA for about two weeks until I could prove that I hadn't gotten paid for it and that I did not, that it was published without my um, permission. Can you believe that? <sighs> NCAA is the worst. They're the worst. That's another conversation, though. <laughs> that's know. another conversation. That's, that's like a that's like a podcast mini series on why yeah, is the NCAA. <laughs> that is um uh what's the word I want to use? Pretty egotistical on Nike's part. Like geez, it's man. brilliant like, marketing. Oh, it is. Yeah. It absolutely. But like 
they clearly did not care like at all and that they could do that to a kid I was that's what i mean like that's oh my goodness that is um, wow again this book now the book it's just salacious (laughs) at this point like i cannot wait this is gonna be insane but that is yeah you know, I never really liked uh, – no, wait, I have Nike shoes now. Never mind. They were bought for me. I'm usually an Under Armour guy, but you they know bought what? the shoes for me. So. I can't say if I was a Nike executive, I wouldn't have seen that picture and done the same thing. It was, yeah. it was brilliant. It's great yeah. marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just you having to see that while you're going to school, though, man, that's just an extra. They also like, had hey, to take it down. Yeah, good, good. I hope I hope that cost them some money, but definitely yeah. kick, kicked you a little bit while you were just down. Just a little Jeez, bit. man. Um, <laughs> Oh, that is really good marketing though. Shoot. That is good stuff. Um, so you have this incredible run. You almost make it, you set a world record and then you almost make the team. As you said, I mean, I like the Leslie I know now, so I'm cool with this one. Um, I'm sure the other one would have been great too. And I'm sure I would have enjoyed her company as well, but I thoroughly enjoy the one that I hang out with occasionally now. Thank so you. I'm okay with it. Um, so you get to the real USC university mm-hmm. of Southern California, your California girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you, eventually in 87 correct when the four by 400 well 87 no i think we won that in 86 86 okay because okay. i took 87 and 88 off from school oh, okay, I, took okay. a, I took a gap year so i could train for 88 for the games all right so what was it like and you keep correcting me and saying, oh, what was a relay? Like, you, you won a national championship. You were an NCAA champion. Yeah. Uh, semantics are what they are. It's enough years later that we can Here's, we can here's why them. I make the correction. Here's why I make the correction. Okay. So Olympians have the ability to put O-L-Y after our names. And it's basically like PhD mm-hmm. because you have put in your 10,000 hours in order to become an Olympian. And that has only been over the last like maybe year and a half, 24 months. But there was a time, my mother went to an event one time and um, somebody said, oh, your daughter was on the 88 team. There's another 88 Olympian here. You gotta know her. And she went over and she knew the girl, because we, well, the woman, because we were on the same team back in the day, but she never made an Olympic team. And so my mom didn't embarrass her, but she was like, mm-hmm. yeah, like we both know you didn't make the uh, damn team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so there were people who have perpetrated like they were Olympians. And, and what that does, that, I mean, that literally takes food out of my children's mouths. Yeah, because waters, my ability yeah. to stand up on a stage and or to work for a network and have them say, we're going to Leslie Maxey on the field, who's a 1980 Olympian. So my ability to do that and to market and leverage that title is huge. If somebody else is doing that, that's taking food out of my children's mouths. And, and as, as in a person who did an individual sport, for the most part, the, the women who won the 400 hurdles in 85, 86, 87, 88, and 89, when I was in school, they have the right to say they are an NCAA champion in that event, and they should get full credit for it. And so because I made an Olympic team, people automatically think I also won the 400 hurdles at, it, at, on the NCAA level, and I did not. And I'm okay with that. But I also always want to make sure that I give deference to them because it is a huge accomplishment enough that you would want to note it. And I want to make sure that they get the credit that they deserve for it. You're incredible. You're too incredible. Do you want to shout them out? Who, do you remember all their names? Oh, can Shawanda I put you on the spot? Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Williams. Um, I believe my teammate Michelle Taylor won the year I took off to go to the Olympics. 
Um, uh, Latanya Sheffield, I think, won the NCAAs as well. And I think Lori McCauley may have too. Mm-hmm. And there, there may be a couple more in there. But, but yeah, I mean, and, oh, and Janine Dickers. Not too bad. Only a couple, only a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> can I say you are a two-time All-American though? Yes, you can. Okay, cool. Two-time All-American, Leslie mm-hmm. Maxie. O-L-Y, and I'm actually a, a four-time All-American because what? you get All-American for indoor and outdoor. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I have talked to some like 18-time All-Americans and I was mm-hmm. like, guys, I don't think this is how college works. But no, I understand. I do understand. Yeah. And multiple four time, four time All American. I apologize. I tried to That's cut. Okay, you. I had to bring you up in one spot, take you down in another. This is <laughs> terrible of me. Um, so at the Real USC, you do spend some time. You obviously are an incredible team. You guys won the the relays. You are a four time All American. Not messing around. What was that time like? Especially as you said, you kind of you were there for a few years and then took that time off. What what did those few years mean to you? when you were there in learning, I mean, you're growing as an adult, you just came off this relatively devastating, um, you know, time at the trials. Like what, what, what were those next few years like in getting ready and understanding that 88 is the goal? Yeah. Um, they were, they were really great. I was recruited by a man named Fred LaPlante, uh, who I am still in contact with. And, and he was, he was a wonderful coach to me. I have a girlfriend who was like, I'm not so crazy about him. He challenged her in ways that, you know, she wasn't really uh, happy about, but, um, he was, he was a great coach to me. The, in my freshman year, I'm going to say that was in 86, we um, beat UCLA in the dual meet for the nice. first time. Wow. And it came, to, yeah, first time ever. It came down to the 4x400. Four and um, me and Gail Devers were both running. Gail Devers, the Olympic champion in the 100 hurdles. Um, we were running the anchor leg for the 4x4, four four, her for UCLA, obviously me for USC. And we were stride for stride until we got to the last 100 But with her being a sprinter, a jumper, and a hurdler, she didn't run the 400 as often and didn't know some of the tactical things. And so there were some things that I did to her while we were running, like you run on the back end, you slide out just a little bit so the person runs more. They just run a longer race and they can't get inside of you. And then when we came off the last curve, I was able to just kind of beat her to the finish line. But it was it was one of those seminal moments. I mean, like Tommy Trojan was on Traveler the Horse and they came onto the field and they're playing the fight on song and they came out and lifted me up always. It was crazy, Mike. It was crazy. It oh, was the thing awesome. of college dreams. Yes, that, that is. Again, like maybe this book's going to be a movie. I don't know. How does that sound? You're in production. We'll get to that at some point. But shoot, man, let's make the movie. Just cast yeah, me as like an man. extra. Just cast me as an extra. That's all I want. I'll no, throw on. you can on... be Coach Fred. Okay, I'll be Coach Fred. That's fine. I was going to say I could, throw on, I could throw on what? Like a, like a Grateful Dead. I mean, we're in California. I could throw on a Grateful exactly. Dead shirt and sit on a lawn, man. I'd be great at that. Um, but that is awesome. Yes, that is absolutely absolutely like straight out of one of those romantic comedy college movies that we all know yeah. and love. Um, yeah. That is just too cool. Winning that against your rival school. Like, come on, that is storybook, but Couldn't that is better. That is incredible. <laughs> so this is, I, I, I you might've said I missed it. What year was this? Um, so I started college in 85. So this was the spring of 86. Okay. And then um, 86. 
87, I well, 86 to 87, I was back. The fall of 87 is when I took off and I was there through 88. So I didn't come back to school until the spring of 89. Yeah. So after, after, so after what, the Olympics mm-hmm. with that time off, how much, like, obviously I know you have to go to class and you know, you're, you're studying, you're spending time, your social life, you're still training, of course, but how much did you see yourself increase in terms of, um, you know, your, your athletic ability with that time off and really being able to just solely dedicate yourself to one specific goal? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for me, and, you. and you're right, <laughs> the one specific goal is an important thing because obviously in college, you know, at that UCLA, USC dual meet, I did the 100 hurdles, I did the four by one, I ran the four, eh, 400 hurdles and the four by 400 relay. So you are giving your body to the championship, yeah. to the, you know, whatever for the school. Um, and, and that was why it was important that I take that time off in 87, 88, um, because I, I needed to be able to focus. But, but what it really did was um, allow me a different kind of training. I was able to do more psychoneurological training. And um, the, the, the trainer that I worked with had this pod that was filled with salt water and, you know, laying down like this. So when you got in it, you laid down, you floated. And then on the top of the, um, of the pod was, you know, old school VCR. And, and what they did was they would splice together, my coach spliced together all of my best races. So I, I had basically a perfect race <laughs> and he had been filming it, you know, filming them for weeks and weeks so that he could get this together. And then I would use that to visualize what it was going to be like when I made the team. And, and that made a huge difference. I, I can even think of the difference that it made in the trials. You know, I, when I got to hurdle number nine, and trust me, by that time, I could alternate. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure you practiced that one a couple times. Yeah, I could alternate. And, and you know, and that made the difference for me making the team. And then, um, you know, working with my I, – I, it's so funny. I was watching the 49ers win – their um, birth into the Super Bowl this past weekend, and Jerry Rice was all over the place. And and in the Bay Area, we had a really tight core of professional athletes. And you know, even though as an elite athlete, then you you were not considered professional, but because the level was comparable, I was a professional athlete, and and that was how we related to one another. And so somebody said something about Jerry Rice on on Facebook, and I was like, dude, I used to run hills with him. He's a beast, you know. Uh. And I've heard I, the stories about him running hills. They're yeah. supposed to be insane. So you did oh, that too? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my goodness. All right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, lifted with him and, and Terrell Owens. And so, you know, so it was a really tight core. And we were also really close with the guys from the Giants, from the San Francisco Giants. And my training buddy was a guy named Jeffrey Leonard. And, and I credit him with a shift in my mindset around what was possible and who I needed to be to achieve those things. You know, he was very much, he was the hack man. He was the guy who hit a home run and then would run around with, you know, one arm like this because it was a hack. You know, he was like, he didn't have to use full strength to get that home run. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Only person to ever make it to a, a, well, he was the most valuable player in the NCS or NCLS game in a losing effort with the Giants. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
That's wow. yeah, that's he, pretty impressive. He, mm-hmm, he went there, and you know, and what he taught me was you when you step onto that track because you know you know me i'm a nice person i walk down the street i'm like hey somebody hey how you doing blah, 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 blah. that's just who i am and that's who i was on the track too and he was like he said when you get on that track he goes you think about that two one hundredths of a second and let it burn inside of you and then you use that fire when you're running you walk onto the track, you are all business. You're not there, little nice Leslie Magazine talking. He goes, you are there to take, kick ass and take names. And, and that, it made a huge difference in my mindset. And it wasn't like, um, I didn't feel like I had to give up a part of me, but it allowed me to own more of what was possible for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was really great. So, um, so yeah, so that, you know, that was the difference to be able to, to be away from all of the distractions of college. And, you know, I mean, I hate to say getting your education was a distraction, but it was a distraction yeah, yeah. For, for this school. And, and, and as such, in respect and deference to that, I need to take the time off. And it allowed me to go back to my home coach and, you know, and it allowed me to heal up some because you run all those races for a couple of years your ass is tired and, and it really is taking, it's taking a beating on your body. That's the hard part about college athletics is athletes lose anywhere between four and six years off of their career mm-hmm. with, with what they do. Because when they say leave it on the track, you are literally leaving some of your career on the track when you're running wow. college. That's why people go broke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that completely makes sense. And, mm-hmm. and taking, taking that time off, um, you know, d- time off, uh, you know, obviously in air quotes, understanding that, yeah, you were, you were putting more time into it, but at the same time, as you said, your recovery was better, your mental, uh, mental awareness and mental, you know, recovery also was mm-hmm. better. Your physical, yep. you know, you could do so much more with, and, and yeah, college, you need college. You got it. You're a smart girl. I'm not worried about, you know, you taking that year off. Like it all worked out, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, the distraction <laughs> of school. And, and of course, I mean, the social aspect of it too. I'm sure you probably missed that at 20, whatever years old, what, 21 years old. So, you know, mm-hmm. I can see that. But I mean, for that goal, it would be pretty darn cool. And, and now understanding what you did do going back a couple steps and saying, mm-hmm. if you were 16 and you were doing some of these things, yeah, you a hundred percent would be a completely different person, right? If you're 16 yeah. hanging out with some of the most famous sports, you know, athletes on, you know, in America, like, of course, as a 16 year old, you're going to, you're going to end up a little different. It's almost like, um, uh, not quite the same, but like child acting, right. And, or like becoming a child act, like a star, right? Mm-hmm. Like when they're, when you, you kind of, we all kind of know now, if you're like a really big star as a child, like, it's probably not going to end up great. Of course, occasionally you got your Neil Patrick Harris's of the world that it does, but he's clearly the exception to the rule and not the rule itself. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. that's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty interesting. So again, happy that you're this Leslie. Um, again, I'm probably <laughs> probably would have enjoyed the other one, but that's so cool. Could you tell another story about Jerry Rice just just for funs? <laughs> um, I think I saw him in the airport years later and we were on those, um, the, I want to say escalators, but like the people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And we're like going past each other. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, Leslie, Leslie. <laughs> I'm like, dude. And people are just looking. And I was like, yeah, no, that's Jerry Rice. Yeah, yeah that's Jerry. <laughs> he knows me. Guys, he knows me. Not a big deal. That is so cool. That's good to hear that Jerry Rice I also Rice is- got to interview him in 2003 when the Raiders went to the Super Bowl. Very I was working cool. for Fox at the time. That was fun. That's yeah. probably, yeah, that's probably a fun one. 
That's probably almost as much fun as we're having now. Of course, not that much fun. Because he's not Mike. Exactly. Mm. Oh, well, he's not Leslie. I think that's what it is. But um, that is cool. That, that is really awesome getting to reconnect and reconnect over and over again. And yeah, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard him tell the story about Hills a couple times. And it sounds awful. And it sounds like you did all of that and more. So kudos to you, Leslie. Kudos <laughs> to you. And what that did get you was to the Olympic trials again. Um, mm -hmm. now we kind of know that you made the 88 games, but I'm still curious what those 80, what that, the trials were like Ooh. knowing that the last <laughs> time you were that darn close and you couldn't let that happen again. Was it more pressure? Did you do it enough that it was kind of just, you know, Hey, I've done this. It's cool. I've done this for four years now, not just a single season. Like where was that kind of nervousness, anxiety, um, excitement? Where, where was all, yeah. what were those levels like? You know, it was it was a different experience in that I, I recall being on the plane on the way to the trials and there are these two men sitting in front of me and they were going through track and field news. They were on the way to the trials themselves, going through track and field news and they were what's called doping, doping the races. So you say, um, you know, I think Mike's going to come in first. I think Joe's going to come in second, you know, that kind of thing. And so when they got, and I'm listening to them talking, I was like, okay, I agree with that. I agree with that. So when they got to my race, they're going through, and they said, one, guy, one of the guys said, what about Leslie Maxey? And the guy said, nah, she won't win. She's washed up. Washed up? You're like 22 quote, years old. In quote, exactly. That's insane. Who says that about a kid? Yeah, what? <laughs> She's washed up. Oh, my God. She hasn't even graduated college yet. That's ridiculous. <laughs> She's washed up. I just, you know, I... It was, it was a moment, and, and I, I was just like, okay. I, like my grandmother said, you can always show them better than you can tell them. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even, I didn't even need to say anything. I just needed to get the job done, period. And, uh, and you know, and I, and I did, and I remember walking through, so they always have a host hotel where you come to get your numbers or your tickets or whatever. And I remember walking through the lobby of the host hotel after the race so I think it was like the next day so I was you know all cleaned up and everything and when I tell you I, I had an outfit for this walk <laughs> so I'm walking through the host hotel and it was like the parting of the Red Sea because nobody thought I was gonna make it yeah that's awesome <laughs> that is awesome heck yeah <laughs> oh man yeah. good for you did you find those guys <laughs> you know what i didn't need to they, they saw knew. i mean they yeah they knew so i guess you really mm -hmm. didn't have to say but too much like, somebody but. lost some money yeah good they deserved <laughs> it absolutely oh man yeah. well that's awesome so you win olympic trials no i got second in the oh olympic you got trials. second okay mm -hmm. yeah well yeah. hey still made in top two make the yeah. top two make the top, team no top three make the team okay and the fourth and fifth are the first and second alternates okay cool cool, cool. Yeah. so last time in 84 were you an alternate i was an alternate Dang. So you have to be in the same hemisphere as where the games are going to happen. So if somebody gets hurt, they can fly you in. Yay. Yay. <laughs> We're not going to. Oh, oh, okay. I guess there could be <laughs> worse beach. places. Worse places to be. Um, man. So one time Olympic alternate, one time Olympian, you get second place. Mm -hmm. You crush it. Then we go to the games there in South Korea. Mm -hmm. What? Um, Tell me about it. This is my favorite part. We've been talking for a little while, so I apologize. Oh I told God. you I told you an hour, but sorry, Leslie, this one's going a little long. Um, 
it's because you're so great. You're so easy to talk to that I can just, oh, I could do this because forever. Because we know each other. I know, I know, I know that helps. Um, and I'm learning all this new stuff too, so that makes it even more interesting. Um, so you get to the games, South mm-hmm. Korea. Tell yeah. me about it. What's, what's the opening ceremony like? Because that's Ooh. apparently, that's everybody's favorite part so far. And, and it, it is. It, it is for a reason. It, you know, you walk out onto that field and you just, I mean, we are energy. And, and everything around us is energy. And to be the recipient, you and, and all of these countries, um, but because there are so many hundreds of thousands of people there, to be the recipient of all that energy is, is almost overwhelming. And so we're coming in, I mean, and even when we were waiting outside, some people don't do the opening ceremonies mm-hmm. because you may have to compete the next day or it was very, very hot. And, and I competed, like, I think on the third day of running. Um, so, you know, my coach was like, look, I, I would like to think you're going to go to four Olympic Games. He's like, but, you know, we, nothing is guaranteed. You are here now. You need to have this experience. And, uh, and so, you know, we made a, a strategic decision about my life to go to the opening ceremony. And it was everything you could possibly imagine and I remember, you know, when you were saying uh, you're talking about running in high school and being in California and how it must be competitive, there was a woman who made the team who was a heptathlete. And she and I, this, this girl won state meet in California by herself, Mike. Okay. She won the hundred hurdles. She won the high jump. She won the triple jump and she won the long jump. Four freaking events. Jesus. One person. She won state meet. In, the, in one of the three most competitive states, California, Texas, and um, Florida. She won state meet by herself. So she was a heptathlete at USC. She was a year ahead of me. And, um, and she made the team as well. We weren't really, we weren't enemies, but we definitely weren't friends mm-hmm. because she was a little bit crass. Like one, the one time she beat me in high school, she came across the line and she's doing the number one symbol. And I was like, God is my witness. I'm going to beat you next week so that I can show you how it's done. Let's go. And then when they asked me, you know, well, why didn't you? I was like, you know what? I needed to do this so I could show them that you can win a race and be a lady about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We were very different. But I remember seeing her on the field in 1988 in Seoul, South Korea, two little black kids, Woodside, San Francisco, San Mateo. And we saw each other and just broke down in tears broke down in tears we ran over we're like each other like we're here, we're here. we did it we, <laughs> we did it yeah that's I so mean, cool it, it was just that there's nothing there's nothing that can describe that well because now now even even though you guys were at usc together um it's it's a high you're fighting for a higher power now right like it's your country you're both wearing team yeah. usa gear Right. Yeah. It's, you're not at, you're not the two girls from the competing high schools anymore. You're the two girls that are fighting and competing for, you know, the greatest country on earth, which right. I think is just, you know, that 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 supersedes so many different things. I mean, look at the dream team. Like they all hated each other in 92. I mean, they didn't hate each other, but like it was one of those like apparently the practices were significantly harder because they would go at each other so hard, um, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, no, it, it supersedes it and, and understanding where you're going and what you're doing. Sure. I think a hundred percent. That's an awesome moment as well. I love it. Yeah, I love it. It was, it really was. <laughs> oh, that's too good. So, so you then, 
that that's really great of your coach too because i have heard people saying they have sat out the opening ceremonies because they did have an event it was like the next day or you know mm -hmm. there, there are certain events that even happen like kind of before the opening ceremonies in like a weird yeah. way so it's really interesting to hear about that and i always feel I mean, I guess I feel bad for the people that can't go. Um, but thankfully, you know, you and your coach made the decision, as you said, about your life. Like, obviously, we hoped it would have been awesome if you could have went to 10 Olympic Games, right? But, yeah. you know, there's only only so many opportunities and chances. And as we saw four years earlier, I mean, shoot, man, nothing is guaranteed ever. Um, so mm -hmm. that's awesome that you guys came to that conclusion. I'm very happy about it. Um, and it sounds like that's something that you're uh, you're not forgetting anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, no. And in, in, in retrospect, it was the right thing to do because what I didn't know was when I was, you know, I said a few minutes ago that I was a six foot high jumper. And when I was 15 years old in practice one day, I you know, was going down the, the runway, went to plant and I, I, something happened in my knee. Now, they didn't have MRIs. They only had x-rays. They did an x-ray, but you can't see soft tissue damage on an x-ray. And it turned out that I had, I tore my patella tendon. And that's the tendon that allows you to straighten and lower your leg. So it comes across your knee from your thigh to your lower leg. And it allows you to actually straighten and bend your leg. And, and I tore it. Um, but from that day on, I just had knee problems. And when I was 28, I, was it, no, no, I'm sorry, I was 31. I ruptured it. And when the surgeon went in to repair it, he said, did you ever have something happen and your knee was never the same? And I said, yeah, I did. You know, when I was like 15 years old and I described to him, he said, you tore your, he said, so you tore your patella tendon when you were 15, you ran on half a patella tendon from 15 to 22. And so what I didn't know was, you know, I, I ran at the games. I didn't run well. I was in a lot of pain, but I was always in pain because of the knee. And, and I didn't, I decided to retire in 90, I retired in 92, 991. Um, but when I retired, I said, I want to get in the best shape of my life because I, I was dealing with injuries. When you have an injury like that, your body does something that's called compensating. Mm -hmm. And so I would have like, I pull my quad and then I pull my hamstring and then, you know, my rotator. I mean, it was crazy the number of injuries that I had, but it was my body trying to compensate for this knee. And so I, I got into the best shape of my life in 91 and chose to, to retire because I said, you know, look, I'm in great shape, but I'm still not having fun doing it. And, and it was important that I have fun because God's given me too many abilities to continue to knock my head against a wall that I'm not enjoying myself, mm -hmm. you know, and it is a lot of work. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful that Mr. Parker said, let's opt in and have you do the opening ceremonies because it's the only one that was ever available to this child. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Um, I don't remember you telling me that you tore your patella tendon. Um, yeah, I don't lead with it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Leslie Max, the Olympic athlete. I, I made the Olympics with so only one leg. Um, no, I, did I think it twice. <laughs> twice. Oh goodness. <laughs> that is just. I mean, that's just crazy um, that you were able to sustain. I mean, that that level of pain. I I honestly cannot imagine it. I've never broken a bone, knock on wood, never torn a tendon. And, and I know just from being an avid sports fan, like patella is, uh, used to be ACL. Um, and that one is pretty much at like six months, people are 
you know, 80% of the way there. Still, mm-hmm. Patella and Achilles are the two where yeah. it's, it's a long shot that you even come back. Um, you know, yeah, being a Giants have... fan, being a Giants fan, Victor Cruz, Victor Cruz. you know, <laughs> unfortunately when that happened, you know, my buddy and I, we were watching it and we both knew we were like, oh no, like, He'll never be this the same. is probably it. And he never was still an incredible dude. Still love him to this day. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Super Bowl champ, whatever, but um, you know, uh, yeah. but you know, against the San Francisco 49ers, he had a good game too. Um, but uh, you know, it was definitely, you know, when, when you see it and you hear it, you, you kind of know, and you know, that's incredible that you were able, I mean, at 15, you tore it and you're just like, Oh, this, this stinks. Like my knee just hurts mom. And I guess that's, yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, all right, your knee hurts. No suck it up. Like, yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. But, you know, you said earlier in, the, in our conversation, the things your mind can tell you that you can do and the things your mind can tell you that you can't do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about it now and I'm like, if there had been technology to absolutely diagnose this, I, I don't think I would have made the Olympic team because every time I was feeling pain and there were days that were effing painful. Okay. I would have said, oh, it's my knee. And I would have been right to give myself a pass. And I would have given myself a pass. Mm-hmm. So not knowing and, and, and having the, the wherewithal to push through it was everything. It was everything. And, and to this day, there's, um, there's very, very few things that I can look at it and say, I don't think I can do that. I'm really like, sure, I can do it. I can do it. Heck yeah. You made the Olympics with a torn yeah. tendon. I think so you can do it. Not a, it's not an option. I think yeah. you can do it. Mm-hmm. You're running, running. It's not like, <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, not to say that you don't need your patella when you throw a javelin, but I feel like, you know, there's, there's a few things and running is definitely one of them. Um, yeah. So that's incredible. So you, you make the games, opening ceremonies. Thankfully you went, you have an incredible time. You do your race. You end up finishing fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, Fifth in the world at something, Leslie. I'd take five millionth in the world at something. So well, kudos fifth, to you. Fifth in my heat. Fifth, fifth in your in heat. My heat. Yeah, oh, so Wikipedia is wrong. Advance, oh yes. no, <laughs> Wikipedia. No, you got me again. No, whatever. Top ten. Top twenty. Top hundred. Whatever. It's incredible. You made the games. You represented your country. I mean, what was that like coming off? You know, obviously understanding that. Hey, you're not going to get past. You're not going to go forward. When, when it was over, when you were like, okay, my competition's done, what did it mean to you to be able to throw on the, the you know, the track suit, the Team USA, front and back, mm-hmm. name on the jersey kind of thing? What was that like um, in, in fulfilling that destiny of yours, which, you know, we decided at nine or nine-year-old Leslie decided that she was, she was going to make the team? Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I went up to the demilitarized zone. So the great thing about me having run in the first three days of the game meant I had 11 days to just shake my head. My aunt said, look, you can be devastated for the next two and a half weeks, or you can put it in a box and deal with it later and go paint Korea red. <laughs> and, and so that's what I did. And, and one of the things that I did was I went up to the demilitarized zone, which is that, that thin slice of, of real estate where North Korea and South Korea meet. And the soldiers that are there are American soldiers. And so, you know, we got there and, you know, truth be told, they don't see a lot of women up there. So it was like my Marilyn Monroe moment. I walked out on stage and they went crazy. But this young man that was escorting me was my age. He was 21. I was 20 at the time. And I I don't remember his name, but I remember talking to him and, and juxtaposing his life and my life. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm representing my country. I'm doing something for my country that is 
quote unquote important. But in the grand scheme of things, this young man is, is keeping us, keeping democracy safe. You know, he is standing on guard when nobody's looking, when it's cold, when it's wet, when he's scared, he stays online. And that to me was the most meaningful moment of my Olympic experience was meeting these young soldiers who were my same age, who I, you know, thought I was doing something mentally, but really not that much. They're just 10 hurdles. Who gives a rat's ass? <laughs> They were really doing the, the work. And um, I mean, it, it changed me. It, it, it absolutely changed me. So. That's awesome. And you're very grateful that you had that opportunity. I mean, you can hear it clearly. Very you you can say, I mean, it's, it's, we don't really get to see that too often. I mean, for better um, in most situations. Uh, it's, it's great that you did get to see this though, because as you said, it changed your life and it, it you know, diverted um, not diverted, that makes it sound a little negative, but it really puts you on a specific path um, from that point moving forward. All these things obviously did leading up to mm -hmm. this point and then after and all the decisions made after. But, um, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's fantastic that you have that opportunity and you got to, you know, meet this gentleman, spend time with him and understand what he does. And it really, it puts your life in perspective, right? You know, yeah. like, I, I love sports, um, but I probably take it way more seriously than I need to. I mean, it's a game, right? Like I played baseball at like six. All mm -hmm. right. And these guys are playing it now at 30. What's the difference? Like nothing. Like, you know, so it's in the grand scheme of things, I should not be depressed over the Mets being terrible for another year. Like that's not the point. I am and I will be, but um, that's awesome that you're able to kind of put that in perspective and understand. But at the same time, what you're doing it is affecting people on a large scale and you're still doing a lot of things. So don't, don't put yourself down, make sure, you know, be oh, humble yeah, as, no. as you are, of course, but like at the same time, understand like you were some little girl's hero at some point, if not mm -hmm. right now, you're my hero right now, Leslie, look at that. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, there's, there's other, there's many ways that we can affect people and the population and humanity. Um, and you know, as you said, you, you were, you had these God given talents and you went with it and you took that, mental fortitude and you step forward and, and, you know, now look at where you are. So, you know, we all have different skill sets. We just have to figure out how to use them. Yeah. Um, and clearly you did a pretty darn good job at one of those things. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to get to the second part too in a little bit, but that's awesome. Very great. I'm grateful that you had that interaction because that sounds, um, as you said, very life changing. So that's incredible. So it sounds like you had a pretty good time at the, uh, the 88 games. I did. My parents were there. My mom, my dad, my stepmom, my sister, my aunts, Jean and Jane, my coach, Mr. Parker. So it was, it was definitely a, a seminal moment for all of us. That is awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Thank Leslie Maxey, O-L-Y. No one can take that one away from you. Um, <laughs> and I want that smile. Oh my goodness. Well, that's, I could have told you that I, without knowing if someone asked me who won best smile, I would have voted for you. So uh, that one was pretty easy. Um, so after the 88 games, you get back home, you actually go back to college to finish up, right? Because you mm -hmm. had a little bit of time, um, another yeah. year change that you had to go. Mm -hmm. What, um, so leading up, you kind of, you know, you, you might have spoiled that part of the story already with, with retiring a little early, but was 92, was that the next, like, okay, cool, I made it to 88, like 92 is now, now we're going, now we're going to win that gold. Was that, I'm assuming, your mindset? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. I was, you know, that my last two years at USC were not my first two years. Um, you know, athletically, it was fine. I, I did well. But the, our coach left because his um, parents were old. 
and and they needed him to come and you know and care for them and he was the only child so so he left to you know take care of his family take care of his responsibilities um they instead of bringing in an experienced coach they elevated the throws coach to head coach he was very charismatic um but just not a good person and you know the different things that you can hear can go wrong in athletic situations definitely happening with this team and and he lacked a moral character and fortitude and i can say this without fear of libel or slander <laughs> um and it was it was really tough and i was i was the the captain of the team and and raised my hand you know as a whistleblower and i was and, and because I had seen things, I'm speaking from my experience, and, and I was really um, uh, treated poorly because I, I said, you know, look, they're grown, I don't care what they're doing, but we have a contract here. And, and he has an obligation to render a service to me and to the rest of the athletes, not just this girl that he has, he's having this affair with. And, um, and, and, but he was married with children. And so there was a whole big brouhaha about that. And, you know, how could I say these things and blah, 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 blah. And, um, so my, my last couple of years were really quite arduous. And then the year after I, I graduated, uh, he left his wife for this girl. So there's that. Surprise. <laughs> Nobody called and said, Hey, Leslie, we're sorry. We've been with you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. But yeah. 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 Hey, that, that's you nice. Know. Thankfully you did the right thing. That That's your contract with like morality. Um, so thankfully you held up your end of the bargain. Can't say that about everybody else. Yeah. But you know what? I, I give this speech to young people between the ages of like 17 and maybe 23, 24 when I call them junior adults. And I know people are pissed off. I said this, but I say that to say this, you know, we exist in relationships and you leave home going to college and you think, okay, I'm grown. I got to handle these things. And, and it was not wrong for me to raise my hand, but what I should have done was reach out to some of the mentors. And I have great mentors in my life. I always have some of the mentors and, and guides that I've been blessed with to say, help me with this. You know, because there could I could have put people between me and the administration that could have messaged the things that I wanted to say. So the speech that I give is not wrong, but not as right as I could have been, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I always encourage young people reach out for assistance, ask for help. Do not think you have to have all the answers because you don't. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how wise you are because, you know, we all come with a certain level of wisdom, but that can trick you up sometimes when you're in that phase where you're really transitioning into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that, you know, that's one thing that I always try and pay forward when I'm, when I'm talking with young people so that they recognize, and I give some, some very tangible examples of things that I could have done differently, that I wasn't wrong. I was fully within my right to do the things or say the things that I did, but I could have done it in a more wise manner and, and had the support that I needed to get the outcome that was right. Yeah, that's a great yeah. way of putting it too. Um, Cause yeah, a lot of the times people just, you know, when you say, well, this is the right thing to do. Well, it doesn't mean you could have, you could have probably done this a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, you were young, right? Like 22, 23 years old, like shoot. Yeah. You, again, your brain still had a little developing to go. I'm pretty sure. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, 
it, clearly you weren't wrong um, as we kind but of But you know what, if out, I'm but... honest, it was arrogance. It was arrogance. I should have asked for help, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I was like, this is, is evidence and knows on my face. So, mm-hmm. you know, say the truth. Just to tell, yeah. say the truth, you know? And it wasn't smart. It wasn't politically savvy. Mm-hmm. And that, that I didn't know. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't give myself like too much of a pass on it, even even in re- in hindsight, mm-hmm. without too much time going by. I knew that I should have reached out for help. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And as you yeah. said, it's not politically savvy. I mean, there's a game to politics, as we all know. Um, mm-hmm. so sometimes you just got to play the game. And uh, even if you're doing the right thing, it's still probably in your best case uh, to yeah. play that game anyway. So that's an unfortunate kind of ish end uh, to your college, <laughs> to my career. college career. Not the very the, unfortunate end. <laughs> yeah, probably not the best way you want to go out. Um, yeah. But at what point, so as you said, you were continuously and just consistently hurt throughout your career due to your torn patella. Um, mm-hmm. As you even said, rotator, like bodies are weird, man. Like that does a lot of different things. And I actually I, got I the believe rotator it. cuff in a car accident. I'm sure, your pate- I'm sure your Patel had something <laughs> to do with it. Hopefully everyone was okay and everything's fine. But um, when, you know, in 91, when you decided to retire, how did you know it was really like, all right, like 92 is right around the corner. Barcelona mm-hmm. would have been incredible, of course. But mm-hmm. at what, like, where, how did you weigh the pros and cons of, you know, pro being able to get to go to the game, con, you know, continuously hurt, always in pain, yada. Like, how did you weigh those? And at what point, why so far along into the quadrennial where you're like, all right, you know what? Nope, I'm out. Yeah. Um, that same 10-year-old girl <laughs> who declared that she was going to make the Olympic team, um, I remember seeing there's this, this runner named Houston McTeer, who was a sprinter. And he was a great, great guy. And every year he would come through um, San Francisco for the Cal Palace indoor track meet. And every year we'd get his autograph as if the autograph was going to change. We were like, this, this, this. So, and he was always so nice. The very last time I saw him, he, I mean, he got his ass handed. He got waxed. Ooh. And, but I really liked him. So, yeah. you know, I went up and I wanted the autograph again. And he was like, kind of like, you know, kid, you bother me kind of thing. And I, and I remember saying, he's not having fun. Like, like this wasn't fun for him. And I said, if I ever get to the point where I'm not having fun, I'm not going to do it anymore. And, and I was many years past having fun when I retired, but you know, I, it was what I did. And so I said, I actually moved from California to Maryland, started training with my coach's first Olympian, um, trained Evelyn Ashford, who was the last natural world record. holder. And um, she, and I, I went to train with Pat Connolly and, uh, and she, you know, she trained me and I said, I, my goal is not to make the team. I want to get into the best shape of my life so that I can make a decision from a place of strength as opposed to a place of weakness. And I mean, so I, she had me doing stuff that I had never done before. And I was in, I, there's this picture of me and I am like ripped. And I never got ripped because I'm, you know, I'm long limbed. I was ripped. And I said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Because even though I got to that point, I still wasn't having fun. My heart wasn't in it. And, and what I was clear about was track was what I did. It wasn't who I am. Mm-hmm. And there are so many other things that define me that the ability and to have excitement about 
different things that were on the horizon for me was, was the gift that I gave myself, you know? So leaving track and field and leaving it at, I mean, I didn't leave on top of, of track and field because I didn't really compete in 91. I trained. And, and when I got to the point where I, I knew it, I knew it. I had been quite some time not having fun. But I said, okay, I'm here. I can lift this. I can do this squat. I can da da da. Deuces. <laughs> I was out. <laughs> Audi. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that you got to that point, though. Like, so few people. It, without the love of something could be like, all right, let me just, you know, train my ass off and get into the greatest shape ever. Like mm-hmm. very few people, if you don't love something at that point already would have gotten to that point. But clearly mm-hmm. again, your dedication, your mind over mind over matter, uh, understanding that your body is capable mm-hmm. of whatever your mind says it is. Um, mm-hmm. That's fantastic that you're able to get to that point. And um, yeah, it's, as you said, you went out from a point of strength, not a point of weakness um, mm-hmm. and you were able to do what you were going to do. So um yeah, uh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Leslie and I have been having so much fun. We went over the time by a pretty significant amount. <laughs> significant and now that. she's sending me messages saying like, hey, can we do the other part some other time? Um, so, <laughs> you weren't supposed to say that, man. I mean, it's fine. It's you. my show. I can you know do whatever what? I want. It's Television my show. training. <laughs> See, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, Don't tell them how the sausage is made. <laughs> no, it's more fun that way. People love the behind the scenes stuff. Leslie. So part two of Leslie's story will be coming um, at another time because we just had too much fun that uh, she probably has to go because she has, you know, real things and, you know, a life that she wants. I got some deadlines. So Leslie, thank you so much. I sincerely you, appreciate Mike. part one and I'm very, very excited for part two. I, I appreciate it. I don't talk about this stuff often. And, and I appreciate and- you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my friend. So uh, we will keep our eyes open for part two. I will do it sooner as opposed to later, like sometime over the next couple of days, and then you air them as you see fit. I'm ready when you are. Thank you so much, Leslie. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Leslie Maxey. As I said, so much fun, so many feels, so many stories. It never gets any better. These are my, This is my favorite thing I get to do for this exact reason, because I get to talk to incredible people like her. So please, all of her information will be in the show notes, so go follow her on all her social medias, check out her website, check out her company, which again, we will get to it part two, the next part of this interview, which will come out next Monday. Um, make sure to follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter, www.ourathletes.us, Michael at ourathletes.us, and Michael Raziel on LinkedIn. Please follow me, hang out with me, come chat and engage. I like to think I'm pretty okay online in certain situations, mostly LinkedIn. But uh, if you also could give us five stars or share this with your friends, your families, your coworkers, because the more people that hear these stories, the better, because as you've heard, Hopefully this isn't your first, but if it is your first, go back and listen to some of the others. As you've heard, these inc- these stories, they don't get any better than this. So thank you all so much, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.